Hi, I'm George Bolarki, and this is Cityscape. In New York State, 400,000 people are living with Alzheimer's disease, and an additional 1 million people are tending to them with unpaid care. But help is available from organizations like Sunnyside Community Services. The nonprofit runs Care NYC, a services and support program for caregivers, available to English, Spanish, and Haitian Creole speakers across New York City. Roy Caps is the caregiver educator for Care NYC. He's with me now in the studio, along with Karma Augustin, who's caring for someone with Alzheimer's. Roy, welcome to Cityscape. Thank you. Karma, welcome. Hi, thank you. So, Roy, <laughs> let's start with you. What is your role with Sunnyside Community Services? I'm a caregiver educator for Sunnyside Community Services, which means I go around the city teaching people about Alzheimer's disease, as well as caregiving techniques and issues related to long-term care. What would you say are the biggest misconceptions when it comes to Alzheimer's disease? Well, one of the things I would say is that very often caregivers don't identify themselves as caregivers which makes it hard to find a population, a group that wants to hear about Alzheimer's. Very often they think of themselves as just family members that are doing the best they can with somebody that has Alzheimer's. Not only that, they're not looking for services for themselves. They're looking to help the person with Alzheimer's. Karma, now you care for someone with Alzheimer's. I do, my mom. Well, the thing is this, uh, my grandmother had Alzheimer's for 17 years of her life. And then five years later, after, I think within maybe like 10 years or so, then my mom had Alzheimer's. Wow. So I've been doing this for about 18 years now. So what lessons did you learn with your grandmother that you are now applying to your mom's care? Okay, well, first of all, 17 years ago, we didn't have as many resources. So I'm very grateful for that. So what I have learned now is that um, get tested. Because initially, I saw a few signs and symptoms in my mom that I wasn't necessarily sure of what it was, whether it was just her getting older or was it just maybe something was like a medical diagnosis issue. Once we did get tested, then, I mean, when she got tested, we realized that she did have a problem, which was dementia. Now, the problem that I would like to to mention in being diagnosed is that because we were uncertain on whether or not it was old age, she disregarded it initially. How old is she? Your mom? My mother's relatively young. She's 72 years old. Mm. She started experiencing symptoms at about 65 years old. So initially I told her, I said, Mom, you're not able to balance your checkbook. Like, that's a little odd. And my mother was beginning to forget her, like where her keys were, you know? So when I told her to go to the doctor, the doctor said, Oh, you know, she's okay. She's doing, you know, fine. But then. Two years later, it got worse. And when they asked her, what's your birthday? What year is it? She didn't know. I would think there has to be a certain level of denial. No one wants to think to themselves, wow, I may have Alzheimer's. There you go. My mother was in total denial. But I was in fear because I saw my grandmother go through and I was like, wow, this looks something like very similar to what my grandmother has. Roy, what are among the biggest challenges that families face when they are faced with someone who is showing these symptoms? Well, first of all, it's not uncommon for family members to try to make excuses for why somebody is acting strange. One of their loved ones might be, they must be tired, right? They must just be getting a little older. They just need a little help. They got stressed Mm -hmm. out. So 
that really can take a long time. If you're making excuses for your loved one's behaviors and you're not going to the doctor because you have fear about the disease, that'll prevent you from getting diagnosed very easily. So we're trying to get the word out that you don't have to be afraid of memory loss. Here's a fact that you may not know. There's over a hundred different types of dementia. Over a hundred different types of dementia. And some of those forms of dementia can be cured. I'll give Mm -hmm. you a simple one. If you have an infection and that infection Mm -hmm. gets really bad and it goes to your brain, eventually you'll have some form of delirium Mm -hmm. and that's a form of dementia, which means it's really a great idea to get tested or at least to get to the doctor to find out what might be the problem. And that's what we teach. We teach, get get yourself to the doctor so you understand what's going on and leave the fear at home. So that said, what is Alzheimer's specifically? Right. Yeah. So Alzheimer's is a progressive brain disease that solely damages areas of the brain that controls memory, thinking skills, mood, and later in the disease, physical functioning. There's about 400,000 people living with Alzheimer's right now and over a million caregivers. And this is New York State we're talking about. I noticed that you said living with Alzheimer's, not suffering from Alzheimer's. Is there a distinction? There is a big distinction because when you get the right help, we can improve the quality of life of the person with Alzheimer's as well as the person that's caring for them. Now, Karma, talk to us about the help that you have received. Okay, well, I am so grateful to Care NYC and Sunnyside because um, initially my mother didn't have any funding for attending a day center. So what happened was that we were trying to look for places for her to go to because, as you know, as the disease progresses, the, the person becomes not aware of their surroundings and where to go in terms of direction. So my mother needed to go somewhere during the daytime. And um, Care NYC was able to fund the day center three times a week, and that was very helpful. Other resources that I got from Care NYC and Sunnyside is the peer groups. So in that way, I felt as if I wasn't alone. For a long time, I was by myself doing everything, trying to look in the Internet to find out what resources can I find to make sure that my mom is okay. And once I find their services, things got a little bit brighter, way brighter. And still bright now because they have a lot of galas going on. They had, um, I attended a recent boat ride, which was amazing. I met a lot of caregivers. I'm like, wow, these people are in the same boat as I am, which is great. But the only thing that I must mention is that um, during my time of going through the whole peer group, I was very resentful. And the reason why is I'm in my 30s. My mom is in her 70s. And Everyone that was in the peer groups was in either in their 50s or in their 60s, and their parents were in their 80s and mm. 90s. And I said, wow, they had time to literally kind of like live their life. And I'm in a time frame where it's kind of like I'm trying to, you know, still be social, getting my career in order and trying to find out what I want to do next. And I'm like, wow, they're they're a little bit older than I am. I'm still relatively young, you know, like and my mom is young. So I feel as if I was kind of robbed. Mm. So although I was attending the meetings and I was very grateful for the resources and the support I was getting, I was a little bit mad. Too. So how are you handling that? How are you dealing with those emotions? 
I have learned that everything happens for a reason and there is a blessing in every lesson. So although my mom is young and I am young as well, um, there's a reason for this, you know, and maybe it's because I was supposed to share my story of other people that are in my age group that are going through this and probably felt resentful as well, you know? That brings you here today. You're sharing your story. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So Roy... Care NYC is the support arm, the caregiver support arm of Sunnyside Community Services, right? Right, right. We have a grant through New York State that allows us to give free services to uh, New York City residents. Free services? Right, free services. Now, do you have to be eligible for those free services? Only the respite. Uh, There's some eligibility requirements, but all the other services are free. So if you call Sunnyside Community Services, we can get you in touch with a peer support group near your house. We can get you educated about the disease, the symptoms and behaviors and caregiver techniques. As uh, Karma was saying, we have uh, cultural activities that can get caregivers out of the house and give them that much needed break away from caregiving. And we have long-term care services. Uh, We can provide uh, assistance with uh, Medicare and Medicaid issues. We're really trying to make the job of caregiving much easier for the caregivers in New York City. And I want to stress this again. It's Sunnyside Community Services, but you provide services in all five boroughs. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, the support arm is called Care NYC. But it's much easier just to remember that we're all part of Sunnyside Community Services, and that would be the place to get the information you need. What is the time frame in which someone would live with Alzheimer's disease? Well, there's a lot of different time frames that we're talking about. Now they're saying that 20 years is not uncommon to have, uh, not uncommon to be diagnosed for 20 years. But it's really the symptoms start much later on. So once the symptom starts, it's anywhere from four to eight years. Unfortunately, each person with Alzheimer's is unique. The disease attacks in different ways. So that makes it really hard to pinpoint exactly what the time frame is for how long they might live and also how long they'll have all their abilities. What are among the ways in which the disease attacks? First, it's gonna start with uh, memory. This is the tricky part about memory. It's short-term memory, not long-term memory. So it's what you had for lunch, what you did last week, as opposed to what your wedding dress looked like. I worked in nursing homes for many years, and we would also have uh, activities there, and we would always focus on that long-term memory because it was still intact. When I first started in nursing homes, and I would do intakes, I would meet these lovely people that were talkative, sharp, and I would think, well, we're not going to have any problems here. And then I would ask them, what did you eat for lunch today? Or where are you currently living now? And you would see their eyes kind of cloud up. And sometimes they might even get a little uh, uh, frustrated, defensive, and say, well, you're the professional. Why don't you tell me? Hmm. Those type of things. So as you get to know the disease, you recognize that... uh, It takes a lot for somebody with Alzheimer's to live with the disease. Very often they're not aware that they have the disease until several years into the process. 
Roy, are there medications that can slow the progression of Alzheimer's disease? Most of the medications out there try to treat some of the symptoms mm-hmm. of Alzheimer's, but they're not, none of these are really going to cure. So uh, you could argue that since some of them are moderating some of the mood swings that people with Alzheimer's have, people might think, well, that's kind of delaying some of the symptoms of Alzheimer's, but there's not really a cure right now. That's a very interesting point because you could have a mom, a grandma, a dad, a brother, anyone with the sweetest disposition, but Alzheimer's can bring out a pretty mean spirit too, right? The personality can change drastically. Right. So uh, not just memory loss, the disease has a lot of other uh, side effects, a lot of other symptoms, Uh, mood and personality. This is the one I often tell a caregiver that I first meet because it can be a bit of a kidney punch Mm -hmm. to watch your loved one uh, start to change their behavior right in front of your eyes. Their impulse control is damaged. Their mood regulation is damaged. So what that looks like is they may curse at you. They may say horrible words to you. Or they just may be uh, very emotionally volatile. One moment, they may be angry the next moment crying, and the next moment laughing. And as a caregiver, it's not uncommon for the caregivers to say, what did I do to create this? But the reality is they didn't do anything. It's part of the disease of Alzheimer's. That's part of the reason why we're doing education in New York City so much, because we want people to understand what the disease is about. So if your loved one is going outside in the middle of winter without a coat and you don't understand why at 10 o'clock at night she's trying to get out of the house, mm-hmm. you're trying to give her a lot of reasons why she would, shouldn't go outside. And that approach won't work with somebody with Alzheimer's because their reasoning, the reasoning part of their brain has been damaged. So reasoning is not a good way to approach somebody with Alzheimer's. Karma, what changes have you seen in your mom that have been the hardest to wrap your head around? There has been many changes, but the most consistent one are her delusions. And that was a shocker because with delusions, um, she thinks that people are stealing from her or someone is beating her up. And I kept telling her in the beginning, just like Rory said, there's no reasoning with them. In the beginning, I kept saying, Mom, no one is there. You know, I mean, what are you talking about? But as time goes on and I had proper training, I had to understand that for her, this is real. So I had to go to her level. So now I say, well, you know what? I'm here to protect you. Don't worry. You'll be okay. If anyone is going to hurt you, I will call the police and we will stop them. So I had to learn communication techniques in order to to actually make her believe, you know, I'm on her side and I do understand where she's coming from. Now, are these techniques that you learned through programs? Yes. Okay. So this is from, again, Sunnyside Care NYC. Um, the contact person that I have is named Andy Moyes. He actually comes over to my house and does training, which is fabulous. So I'm a registered nurse, so, so I know a lot of stuff about the health field anyway. But um, what I have learned from him is making sure that everybody a part of my mom's care are on the same page. So if my mother is having delusions, we all know how to deal with it now, going from, from me to my sister, her her sister, 
and the other paid caregivers, you know, that are there. So everyone knows how to deal with these illusions all because of Sunnyside and Karen OIC <laughs> because they're really amazing. I must say, if I didn't have them in my life, I really would not have known what to do. They have helped me in so many ways. And I was very surprised that a lot of people are not aware of them. I was looking on the Internet one day and then once I found a day center for my mom, they told me, hey, listen, Karen YC is offering certain certain services. So contact this person. And once I did, I'm having so much more of a better outcome. My mother is more happier and things are just going way better for me. I'm very grateful to them. Prior to that, what were the biggest day to day challenges that you faced? Well, um, once again, because I am a registered nurse and I am a trauma ER nurse. So that's already a struggle in the South Bronx, you know, level one. So having to deal with work, having to deal with my mom and trying to balance those two things out. So I was a full time caregiver, a full time registered nurse and just trying to figure out how do I decrease my stress level? You know, because taking care, I'm a natural caretaker in general. So I'm taking care of a lot of people. It's not just my mom taking care of a lot of strangers, you know, at the (laughs) same time, too. So so um, the day to day was basically how do I relieve stress? That was my biggest, biggest thing. And it had a big impact on me because I gained a lot of weight. I was very depressed. I became very anxious off the minor things. So my life had changed in a dramatic way. And another thing is that I live with my mom. I was living with her for many years. So I didn't know how to balance or separate me being my mom's daughter and me being my mom's now my mom's mother Mm. because she calls me mom now. Wow. Yeah, she calls me mom because of how I'm taking care of her. And I remember my grandmother calling her mom Hmm. only because the roles has changed. She was taking care of me. So now that I'm getting more support, I have finally, as of last week, moved out. I have a lot of help now, and I'm able to balance my own personal life. So she has 24-hour care at her own home now? Well, this is what we're doing, and I hope that this can help a lot of people. So my mother has gotten Medicaid, which she didn't have before. So a lot of the services were paid out of pocket. And that was a lot of burden for me and my sister initially. So with the help of a lot of resources that we got, we were able to apply for Medicaid. And now my mother is a part of a managed long-term care program. But what's happening, I realize a lot of um, caregivers are not getting home care hours. So I know many people in my situation had had four hours initially, and we have to fight to get more hours for a patient who, a person who cannot be left alone. So we had to go to court Hmm. just to get her 12 hours. And me and my sister had to come up with our own care plan of how we're going to manage 12 hours a day of home care services. Um, how my mother will still go to the center and also have a family member work with her because it's very important that the person that you're taking care of has someone that's familiar in the home with them and not just strangers taking care of them. So now what me and my sister does is that during the five days a week, we manage the care together at night, but we have help in the daytime until we can get 24 hours. But we're fighting for that. That's a struggle. Roy, how big of a challenge is that and what do you do to help people to secure 
that care, help them navigate that road. You know, the statistics are really staggering. So it's over 1.2 billion hours of care, Mm -hmm. unpaid care, the type of care that karma is doing every day. And that's quite a bit. So uh, Mm -hmm. a big cultural shift is moving on. Every year, there are exponentially more and more resources and money devoted to Alzheimer's and now to people that are caring for people with Alzheimer's because this is what people don't know about caregiving. When you are a caregiver, you are an at-risk population. This is what they know now, and they didn't know this 10 years ago even. So what I mean by an at-risk population is that you're at risk for higher levels of stress, you're at risk for uh, being isolated and overworking. And that's what we're talking about right now, this idea of how to get the right care. And you do. You do have to, you have to struggle to find the right care. Very often this care, we have some resources that um, are free. If you qualify, it's fairly easy to qualify, and it's on a temporary basis. But there are other programs uh, that you can tap into, but it requires a lot of diligence. One thing that caregivers really need to know is they need to look toward long-term care planning and look toward the benefits, finding benefits. And that's something that we definitely can help with at Sunnyside Community Services. This is why uh, long-term care is so important, because as a disease progresses, the person with Alzheimer's will eventually not be able to be competent to sign documents. Mm -hmm. So these documents need to be signed early on in the process so the person living with Alzheimer's can have their wishes later on in the disease Mm -hmm. and the caregivers have a better idea uh, how to care for that person. So yes, it takes a lot of planning uh, for long-term care planning Medicaid, like Karma was talking about, and looking at the system for ways to uh, get those services. Too many people aren't looking for home care. Too many caregivers are looking to go it alone. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes it's yeah. cultural issues. Sometimes it's just simply families that are determined to abide by their uh, parents' wishes mm-hmm. to not have them in an institution. But here's the thing. If you don't get help as a caregiver, if you don't get education and training, if you don't get some sort of emotional support, if you don't stick closely to your own doctor, you're more than likely going to experience caregiver burnout. Yeah, and what can happen when someone experiences burnout? Well, caregiver burnout is a really rough road. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, you begin to feel hopeless. You lose energy. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen next, and you no longer can take care of the person with Alzheimer's. Depression follows soon after. And when that happens, that's usually the point where caregivers need to put their loved ones into institutional, uh, into some sort of form of institutional care. So we're here to make sure the caregivers get the support they need because we believe caregivers are people too, and they need our services, right? But it's a, it's a road with two people on it at least. And uh, by giving caregivers this support, 
we're able to have people with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia stay at home longer, which is a big deal for most family members. Individuals caring for loved ones can actually get paid for caring for their loved ones too, right? Right. Yeah, right. yeah and uh, that's a great program. There's a lot of, uh, they're still trying to iron out the details. Uh, I've heard a lot of people try to get um, uh, that service. It's not really it's a service, CD-PAP, it's a benefit. Right? What was that? CDPAP is the name of it. Right, yeah. right. And uh, it's helpful, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but there's still some kinks in it they're trying to work out. Yeah. Basically, what the state is trying to do is make it possible for caregivers to get paid for the services that they're renting to the person with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. Earlier, Roy, you said that sometimes there are cultural differences. Are there populations here in New York City that you really want to make sure hear this message that are not necessarily heeding these examples that we're talking about, seeking the help? Right. African-American communities, uh, Latino communities, both of these communities really sometimes they have a bit of a stigma about the disease. So it's not just about... um, uh, it's not just about wanting to keep it in the family and take care of it, but it's also not understanding the disease completely. And we need to do a better job. We as a community need to do a better job at reaching out to them and finding ways to do that. At Sunnyside Community Services, we're actually going into the churches now, mm. and we're finding that to be a very good way of finding uh, new caregivers and resources for them. That's awesome. Karma, your message to those listening right now? Well, I mean, to piggyback off of what Roy just stated, culturally, a lot of people think that once you have Alzheimer's, you're crazy, you know, and clearly they're not crazy, but it is a psychiatric diagnosis nowadays, officially. So my message would be have an open mind, have an open heart, and just because the person is not acting normal per se, does not mean that they are crazy. It means that something must be going on medically and, you know, get tested and find out what it is. But don't just judge that person. Do you have any mm-hmm. of your own concerns, being that your grandma and your mother? Oh, my. Not even. It's my great-grandma, my grandma, and my mom. Hmm. And my grandmother had six children, and out of the six, my mother's the only one who has Alzheimer's. Mm. I'm hoping no one else has it, because I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. It is the most heartbreaking thing I've ever had to go through. So um, I do have a concern, but um, I went to my doctor recently, and he told me there is a test that I can do. So I'm going to go forward and get this test. But I truly believe I am not going to have Alzheimer's disease. <laughs> I mean, and anybody that does, I'm so sorry because it's it's heartbreaking. It is very difficult. It's frustrating. But um, I am concerned, but I, I'm not losing hope. You know, there is some hope coming in the future uh, and now. Uh, recently in the 2017 International Alzheimer's Association Convention, uh, they came up with guidelines about ways to uh, have a healthy lifestyle that will help to prevent some uh, forms of Alzheimer's. And basically getting enough sleep, uh, making sure that you handle your stress, uh, interacting with other people, being a social person, Uh, exercise, diet, 
these are the type of things that they're looking at. Also making sure that you're learning something new. These things seem like very general topics, but when you dig down deeper, I'll tell you just one because I think it's fascinating, Mm -hmm. sleeping, getting enough sleep. Your brain acts like a washing machine when you go to sleep. When you go to a deep level of sleep, fluid starts to uh, enter your brain and wash out neurotoxins, including some of the proteins that are associated with (laughs) Alzheimer's. So as a result, if you only get five hours sleep, and I'm talking to all you New York City residents (laughs) that don't seem to be able to get enough sleep. Guilty. Guilty, me me too. I'm up to about six and a half to seven, but slowly I'm making it there. There's a great reason to get enough sleep because you don't want to stop that washing machine in your brain at midway. You want to make sure you get that full eight hours sleep so you can uh, uh, have a healthy life and a healthy brain. All right, Roy, and the website for people who want to find more information about the programs that you have? www.scsny.org. Roy, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having us. Karma, thank you. Can I just mention one more thing? Please do. I think that there is, it's important to know there's a difference with the whole memory loss thing. There's a difference of not knowing where your keys are and not knowing how to use your keys. Mm. And that's Alzheimer's. It's not knowing how to use a fork anymore. And that's when it's like, okay, there's a problem there. Karma, thank you so much. You're welcome. Karma Augustin is a New York City resident who's caring for her mom with Alzheimer's disease. Roy Caps is the caregiver educator for Care NYC. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Maddie Bristow. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to Cityscape on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to Cityscape on Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at WFUV Cityscape to stay up to date between episodes. Thanks so much for listening.